<laughs> you guys are frozen on the inside. One more time. Hey, glad you're at church. This is awesome. I thank God for you guys. I love you. Those joining us online, we're grateful that God has you with us. And if you're here for the first time, we believe God has brought you. Brought you not just to sit in a seat, be in a room, even to give him worship. He wants to give you a very profound experience of his love. I want to do something. I didn't do it for any of the other services. Um, the Packers don't play till like 3.30 or so. Um, so I'm just going to start out with a joke. Here we go. This pastor, he uh, has all his teeth pulled and gets new dentures. And his first time back to preach after, with his new dentures, he only preaches for eight minutes. And um, the congregation understands. The next weekend, he preaches for 10 minutes. And uh, that, that's okay. And the next week, he preaches for like 40 minutes. And the church calls a big meeting. What's going on? Why preach so long? He said, well, the first week when I came back, my gums were sore, so I could only preach for eight minutes. Same thing the next week, 10 minutes, my gum were sore. But uh, this Sunday, I made a mistake and put my wife's dentures in, and I just kept talking. <laughs> Don't be mad at me. Hey, let me ask you a question. How many of you have driven uh, a vehicle, car, truck with three on the tree? Three on the tree. Oh, wow, a bunch of you guys know it. You're all old. Um, no, uh, three on the tree is a vehicle, a car, truck with a manual transmission on the steering column. And so you would clutch and shift into reverse or shift down into first, up into second, down into third. And uh, when I was 16 years old, just had my license, my, my parents drove this big Buick with an automatic transmission. Boring. But I had this cool uncle. He had a, a car with three on the tree and he'd let me drive it. And um, I just felt so awesome as I clutched and shifted my way through the streets of Paris, Illinois. <laughs> and, um, but, but I got to this hill. I drove up the hill, not even thinking about it. Didn't even worry about it. There's a stop sign at the top and I, I stopped. Uh, I look in the rear view mirror and I could see one of my dad's friends uh, kind of pulling up behind me. Well, I think this is an opportunity. Show this guy how groovy I am. That's how we talked back in 1967. And I want him to see me mellow. So I uh, put my foot on the clutch, shifted into first, hit the gas and bam, engine died with a shuddering jolt. And I didn't know what was going on. And without thinking, I forgot to put my foot on the brake and the car rolls back and crashes into my dad's friend's car. Oh my gosh. I started again, in gear again, clutch again, bam, it dies again. And every time, this happens three times and it rolls back and crashes into this guy's car three times. So I finally, I just give up and get out and go back to apologize. And you gotta see me as weighing like 100 pounds, five feet tall with acne. And you know what's getting out of the car coming at you. So uh, this guy starts to roll down his window and before I can get, I'm sorry, out of my mouth, he says, keep the clutch fully engaged. Looks at me like I'm a complete idiot. And so, okay, get back in the car, do what he says. And then, you know, I speed off, hoping I'll never see that guy again. But, but here's the lesson I learned, not just for driving a manual transmission, but for following Jesus. Uh, Christ followers are like clutches 
only two positions, either fully engaged or completely disengaged. No in between. There's no such thing as like casual Christ following. It's all or nothing. Fully engaged or disengaged. And when we allow ourselves to be disengaged from our relationship with Jesus, we can crash. We can do crashes. We can crash emotionally. We, we can crash financially sometimes. Our relationships can crash again and again and again when we are, you see, here's the, here's the deal. Everybody struggles. Everybody has painful issues in their life. And when we are disengaged from Jesus, we are also disengaged from his strength, disengaged from his wisdom, disengaged from his hope, his peace, disengaged from his joy. Here's the deal. Here's the truth for today. Get this tattooed on your left thigh this week. Fully engaged followers of Jesus make the right shifts and keep moving forward through the painful struggles of, of life. When Deb and I first moved to Beloit back in the early 80s, we only had one vehicle and we were here maybe a year. She got a job and I had a motorcycle, but that didn't do me any good in Wisconsin in the winter. Uh, so Deb bought a uh, 65 Chevy truck for $200. This thing was a beater. First time I drove it over railroad tracks on the way home, the right rear quarter panel fell off on the road. I got off, tied it on with a piece of rope, kept on going. But um, the, the truck served us well for a time, but it got to the point where you could be at an intersection, put it in first, hit the clutch and go, but you couldn't go into second. It wouldn't shift. You could hit it as hard as you wanted to and it wouldn't shift. You'd have to kind of cruise over to the side of the road reach into the glove box where we had this giant screwdriver, pull it out, get out of the truck, lift the hood, get under the hood, and the gears were like meshed or stuck together and you would have to disengage them. Struggles happen to everybody. Sometimes life is at its very worst. Disasters can happen. You know, our struggles, my Debbie has Alzheimer's. Maybe you have cancer. Maybe it's a struggle in your marriage or in your, we all have struggles. But friends, Jesus wants to teach us a way how to make the right shifts in our hearts, in our thinking, so we can keep moving forward through life's pain. He, he does this by teaching us most famous sermon he ever did. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we're studying the most famous part of the most famous sermon, the Beatitudes. Here's the place where Jesus did this teaching in Israel. Every time I've taken people to this place in Israel, um, someone or someones have come up to me just overcome weeping at the incredible sense of God's profound presence in that place. And the second time we went to Israel, we were kind of at a time between two armed conflicts and we were the only Americans there. And the, the guide was letting us do anything we wanted. And I said, I want to walk down. I want to hike from the top of this mount down to the Sea of Galilee. And he got permission and, and Deb and I did and some others in our group that wanted to. And I don't know if maybe the other people thought they were going for a pretty walk, but me, I wanted to feel what those first listeners felt as they heard Jesus. Because here's what I think. I think if Jesus 
could have a, a conversation with you, if he could come to your home and sit down at your dinner table over a cup of coffee, what he said on that mountain, he wants to say to you right now. Here's how it happened. 2,000 years ago, scripture says that when Jesus saw his ministry growing huge crowds, he climbed a hillside and those who were apprenticed to him, anybody serve in an apprentice program? Okay, y'all need to get a job. Now, an apprenticeship, it lasts a long time. One guy that here that was here this weekend said his lasted four years. And you get in a relationship with a master craftsman and they teach you not just to trade, you want to take on their character. So these are people who are apprenticing with Jesus. Those who are apprenticed to him, the committed, the fully engaged, they climbed with him, arriving at a quiet place at the top. Jesus sat down and taught his climbing companions. Now, over the next 20 minutes or so, you're gonna have to decide whether or not you want to be a climbing companion with Jesus. Um, now, this is no um, coincidence or accident that Jesus, when he sees the crowds, hikes up to the top of this mount. Because you see, 1,500 years earlier, there was a huge mountain moment for God's people, people of Israel. It was Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. You shall not do this. You shall not do that. You shall not do this. You shall not do that. And if you do, you die. Ten Commandments. And so Jesus gets to the top of this mount. And what he declares are not commandments but declarations nine times, nine times in front of this huge audience, that green hillside, you'd have to see it looking like a quilt of different colored robes as all these people sat before him listening. But nine times, Jesus lifts his voice and declares one word again and again and again. He takes a deep breath, sees his audience, and then speaks over them, makarios, 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 nine times. It's the Greek word that our English Bibles translate as blessed or happy. But, but it's such a strong word. It's not regular, everyday, ordinary happiness. It's like happiness on steroids. And when we are fully engaged with Jesus, we get a life of happiness on steroids. Now, it's not a problem-free life. It's not a stress-free life. It's not a pressure-free or a problem-free. It's not a disaster-free. It's not a trauma-free. It's not a crisis-free life. We all have serious struggles. My Debbie and I, our family, we, we have ours, and it's heartbreaking. And you have yours, and your heart gets broken. Every day, I pray. For my Debbie, that as she wrestles with Alzheimer's, as the disease just eats away at her brain, that she will always have a sense of the presence of Jesus. And if you know her, and many of you do, you know that she has this happiness on steroids in the face of what she's going through. And so do I. I mean, it's a very frustrating, heartbreaking disease. You have your problems 
And you can have with your problems, you can have at the very same time, this happiness with steroids, this happiness that does not run away, this happiness that stands in the face of crisis, this happiness on steroids is yours. And Jesus says, this is how you can get it. Here's what he says. Blessed, makarios, happy on steroids are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Now, what's the first image that comes to your mind when you think of meek? Meek as a lamb? No, that's the opposite of what Jesus was teaching. Think meek as a wild stallion. That's what he was saying. My brother and I are a year apart. While I'm preaching here, he's preaching in Evansville, Indiana. But when we were kids back in the 50s, like most kids back then, we wanted ponies and we drove my parents crazy for ponies. And finally, my dad breaks down and says, yes, you can have ponies as long as we can buy wild ones. They're cheaper and you have to break them yourselves. You see, my dad made money as a kid by breaking horses for the neighboring farmers. And so my brother and I were like, yeah, we'll do it. We'll help you break them. I'll never forget the first time I saw my pony, it was huge. It was a Swede, almost as big as a small horse, all black. Uh, it was bigger than me, way bigger than me at the time. I was like fifth grade, 11 years old, stronger than me, faster than me. I loved to race my brother and win every, every time. But though it was bigger than me, stronger than me, faster than me, when my dad and I had it trained, it was under complete control of the commands I would give it. If I wanted to get up, it would go and go fast. If, if I wanted to go left or right, I didn't have to say a word. Just lay the rein. We neck trained them to neck crane. If I wanted it to, whoa, it would stop in its tracks. It's great strength under control. That's the Greek word for meek, praus. And it means great strength, like a stallion strength, but under control of the commands of the master. That's a Christ follower fully engaged with Jesus, he gives us a strength beyond ourselves. And as we be, obey his commands, we get more and more of the strength. And it helps us keep our lives in control. I mean, this is not a human strength. Yesterday, Deb and I were in the truck. We were, our drive had not been plowed. And we live on Riverside Drive in Beloit. It's the poor, we live on the poor side. The river's over here, houses that cost a lot of money, the road, and our house up on the hill for poor people. Our drive had not been plowed, steep hill going down. I wasn't gonna worry about going down, but as I drove toward the incline, there's a huge branch that had fallen off one of the trees and covered the entire width of the, of the driveway. And so I stopped, said, Deb, Deb you gotta get out and move that thing. <laughs> I said, sweetheart, you wait here. You just watch your man, your hunk of hunk of burning love. And um, I, I got out there. The thing was huge. Um, it had a, a large end where it had broken off the tree and, and it like swept a, 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 away in a Y of branches and then huge branches all down in the snow. And so I picked up the end thinking, I'll just pull it across out of the way. I picked it up and got three hernias. And then what I did, I got inside the Y, the two branches, and I picked it up, put my chest into the Y, and got three more hernias. Couldn't move it a bit. So I broke off some of the branches, and I thought, I'll just lift up this one Y and maybe tip it over. 
No way. I mean, I grunted, gave up. Well, just then, my neighbor uh, drives by in his inloader and he's moving snow out of the way of our mailbox and he sees me and, and whips up into our driveway, says, you got a problem? I said, yeah. He drives that inloader up, gets that big, huge branch down in that bucket, lifts it up, turns around, drives it back down the hill and I don't, I think he put it in the other neighbor's yard. But you know, when he did that, that was more than my human strength could have accomplished. I want to tell you, I did not feel happiness on steroids. I felt grateful. I felt relieved. I felt glad that we could now go. Even that inloader that is so much stronger than me is not the kind of strength we're talking about here. We're talking about the Holy Spirit of God coming to live inside us when we are fully engaged with Jesus. Remember Jake's teaching last week? Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Come forth a place of strength. Come alongside with strength. That's the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He comes inside us with with the strength of God, a strength that's beyond us. It's what frees God up to do the unbelievable in our lives. Here's the promise of scripture. The Bible says God is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or even imagine according to his power at work within us. This great strength. And the strength is there to help us overcome the weak areas in our life to help us overcome our anger, to help us overcome and turn away from lust, to help us overcome and turn away from envy, jealousy, trying to be controlling. In fact, if meekness is God's strength, great strength under control, the opposite of meekness is weakness out of control. Lose your temper, that's weakness out of control. Lose yourself to lust, maybe through pornography, that's weakness, out of control. The Bible lists all these different negative aspects of our character, even controlling. If you are controlling, that's simply weakness, out of control. Um, Now, the Bible has a word for all these negative thoughts, behaviors, attitudes, and the Bible word for weakness out of control is the flesh, And this gives us great insight into what Jesus is teaching in this message on the mount. Um, Here's the text again. Jesus said, blessed, uh, happiness on steroids belongs to the meek, those who have the strength of God under control, for they will inherit the earth. Now, that's kind of weird, isn't it? Unless you understand what the words mean. Uh, The Greek word, it's hard for me to say. The Greek word for inherit See if I can say it. Kleronomeo. And it means to dominate. The, the idea is this. You've inherited this possession. It's yours. Now dominate it. So, you've inherited your anger. Dominate it. You, you've inherited your tendency to control. Dom, you've inherited a tendency toward lust. Dominate. You've inherited envy or jealousy or dominate it. Dominate these weaknesses that are out of control. Um, And if you do, you get the earth. Well, it's not talking about our planet. The the Greek word is gay, and it means dirt, like a 
farmer tills the earth, he's tilling the dirt. In fact, the root word of gay is dust. Remember how God created the first human being? He made Adam's flesh out of the dust of the earth. So Jesus is saying, hey, blessed, happy on steroids are the meek, those who have God's strength under control, for they will dominate the flesh. They will dominate their anger. They will dominate their propensity to be controlled. They will dominate their tendency toward lust or envy or on and on you can go with the negative sins. That's what meekness is. It gives us a happiness on steroids and it dominates the sinful part of our lives. But if that's what meekness is, what does meekness do? In fact, if I could read the text to you, um, Jesus tells us in the very next beatitude, he says, here's what meekness does. Blessed, happy on steroids are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. They will be satisfied. They will be sated. They, they, will, they will be filled to overflowing. When you hunger for more of Jesus, you just get more of Jesus. And it sounds kind of churchy and kind of religious. And what does Jesus mean? Well, one the, the one time in the Bible where Jesus defines himself, he, he says this, come to me, all you who are tired and weary, and I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and I am meek. I am God's strength under control. I will give you rest. But the Bible tells us that there is a one person who has more meekness than anybody else in the world. And that person was Moses. So let me show you this first, then I'll get to Moses. Well, that's good. When you have God's strength under control, you hunger and thirst for more of right. Blessed are those Happiness on steroids are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is Jesus. He is our righteousness. The Bible says that when he died on the cross, scripture says, he who had no sin was made to be our sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. So when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you're simply hungering and thirsting for more of Jesus. Well, back to Moses. Bible says he was the meekest guy on the whole planet. Check it out. The word of God says, the man Moses was very meek, filled with God's strength under control, more than all the people who were on the face of the earth. So here's this one man. He has got a God's strength, meekness beyond measure. Meek, God's strength under control. So when he has all this meekness beyond measure, what's he do with it? What's he do? Well, he's hungry, he's thirsty for more of his God. And he just goes one-on-one -on -one with God and says, show me your glory. Well, what's Moses asking for? What is God's glory? Well, what is your glory? Your glory is what you're best at. Your glory is what you are known for, what you are famous for. Taylor Swift, her glory is in her music. Uh, Tiger Woods, his glory was in his golf. LeBron James, his glory is in his basketball. Tom Cruise, his glory is in the fact that he looks a lot like me. <laughs> no, your glory, God's glory is what God is best at. 
So what is that? Your glory is what, I mean, God's glory is what he is famous for. So what is that? Moses says, show me your glory. Here's what God says. I will cause all my goodness. That's what God is famous for, his goodness. That's what God is best at, his goodness. That's why he makes us the promise. We know that in all things, God works together for our good. Those of us who love him and are called according to his purposes, I I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. And the truth is you couldn't even stand it if if you saw my goodness. You know what I'm gonna do, Moses? I'm gonna put you in that crack in the rock. I'm gonna cover you with my hand and I'm gonna parade all my goodness before you. That's what God is famous for. That's what God is best at, being good to you. And so when we hunger and thirst for more of Jesus, that's when we experience the goodness of God in our lives. That's why I would pray for my Debbie that at the core of her being, whatever she's forgetting, whatever she's losing, she would, she would continue to hunger for Jesus, for then she experiences the goodness of God. The same is true for you, whatever painful struggle you've got. When you hunger and thirst for more of Jesus, you experience the the goodness of God. Um, Do you know that you were born with a bottomless soul? You, you, You were born to feed your soul on more of Jesus. Now we try to feed our souls on wrong things, huh? I mean, you can't feed your soul on money. You can have pockets full of cash and have an empty soul. Um, can't feed your soul on education. Read the books, take the tests, pass the tests, get the degree. Um, you can have a lively mind and a dead soul. We, f- we feed our souls on more of Jesus and he fills us with the goodness of God. We, and you, maybe you want to ask, well, you know, if I've got a bottomless soul, how do I ever get filled up? The goodness of God is infinite. The goodness of God is limitless. The good of, goodness of God is without end. It's super abundant and overflowing. When you, when you have God's strength within, under control, when you are hungering for more and more of Jesus, I mean, yeah, you get the happiness on steroids, but more, you get the goodness of God. So, we know how Moses did it, but how do, how do we do it? How do we do meekness? Well, you get more and more of Jesus by meeting with Jesus in ministry. I mean, doing service, being a difference maker with your life. That's why when you go out today, you'll see all kinds of displays for the ministries of our church. And if you, wanna, if you are hungry for more and more of Jesus, just sign up to serve in some area that moves your heart. And um, when you're hungry for more and more of Jesus, you meet him in his word. And so take one of our study guides that go deeper in the text today, every day of this week, meet Jesus in his word. You'll experience the goodness of God. Uh, when you're hungry for more and more of Jesus, you, you humble yourself in prayer. You pour out your heart and he pours out his, his goodness.
Last night, a young man, uh, Dustin, hungry for more of Jesus, met Jesus in baptism and shared fully with Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. And I hope that for you this day. If you'd stand with me right now, I'd like to pray over you. I'd like to pray. I'd like to pray over our, mine and yours, our meekness. Yeah, that we would know the happiness on steroids, but um, that, that we, would, we would be dominating those detrimental areas of our character and our lives, our sin. But also as we get hungry, hungry, hungry for Jesus on the basis of our meekness, he just gives us the goodness of God. And so I'm gonna pray over you now. And uh, when my prayer is over, if you need the touch of God's goodness on any area of your life, um, a number of us will be down front to pray with you, to pray that with you and for you. And if you would like to meet Jesus in baptism, I encourage you in that spiritual experience to share with him fully in his death, burial, and resurrection. Would you bow with me, please? Our Father God, we bow our heads as a sign of our humility before you because we just don't have it in us, in and of ourselves. We know our sin. In fact, that's why we close our eyes so we can look into our own hearts and identify those areas that are just weakness out of control. And Holy Spirit, come upon us now. Lead some into service. They need to meet Jesus and making a difference in other lives. Meet. Thank you for meeting us in your word this morning. And in this prayer, you've joined us. You're personally present. And if there are those here, Lord, that you want to see meet you in baptism, bring them now as we sing together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and follow us on our social media platforms. That way you can stay up to date with what's happening here at Central. And as always, have a great week.